Open your Bibles with me, if you would, please, to the book of James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we've begun the study uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, we're looking at uh, the book of James uh, together as we are uh, realizing the central message of this book and how it fits into our Bible. There's a lot of things that we've already seen together, uh, and I really it's interesting because I really would like to rehearse them each time we assemble together. For those of you that either haven't been here uh, for any of them, sometimes we just have visitors for the first time, and uh, sometimes I know that you've missed a little bit, and I'd like to go over some of the things, some, you know, as we have a lot of traveling going on. Uh, your, these uh, sermons are available, though, if you want to be able to uh, go back and listen to the ones that come before this. Uh, you can find them on our website. Uh, they're, um, they're going to be, or they are being, very well laid out. You should be able to find them easily. Uh, that's all is, if it's not all accomplished right now, it is in the um, uh, process of being accomplished. So, but in James chapter 1... We're looking at the beginning of this book. Now, again, I flip your, your Bible back one page, basically, so you can see Hebrews chapter 13. Because it's important that you realize that the general epistles begin with the book of, of Hebrews. And after you study the book of Hebrews, when you're studying the book of Hebrews, you realize that the central message, what God is wanting to accomplish in your life through the book of Hebrews, is He wants you to understand the promise of our great high priest mediating a whole new life. The book of Hebrews, through the book of Hebrews, God wants you to understand that in the time in which you and I live, that you have a great high priest who not only has presented the blood on your behalf, but who pours out the power and blessing of God into your life. It's a very important lesson. It's something that many Christians don't really understand. If you were here for the Sunday school class, Brother John was talking at, at one portion about something that, that's taught in 1 Peter, where it talks about your, your past tense salvation. If you're, if you're really born again, or even if you think you're born again, and, and, and you know, sometimes it's hard to distinguish. There are people who believe that they're born again or pretend that they're born again who probably aren't. And, and, and I'm going to talk about why in, in just a little bit. Um, Many people will say that there was a time when they trusted Christ for their salvation. And then there are those same people will say that they believe God, that at some point he's going to perfect their salvation. He's, they're going to either die or he's going to come, and they're going to be with him, and they're going to go to heaven, and everything's going to be wonderful. But if that's true, and I, and I really do uh, desire that that be true for everybody that's here this morning, if that's true, then this time right now, this time right now, then your life is different than it was before you were saved. There's a difference in your life. Listen to me, listen. You don't live a better life so that you can be saved. If you've really been saved, you live a different life because you're a new creature. Now, those who are truly born again for them, it, this is a very, it's, it's supernatural, but it's very natural for someone who's born again to live like they're born again because they are indeed a new creature. But if you're just being religious, if you're satisfying some, some um, internal need to go to church, 
then you're going to process the words that you hear from the Bible with your understanding, and you're going to make up something very close, in your estimation, to what others around you are doing. But you're going to be pretending to be something that you're not. And God doesn't want that for you. God doesn't want you to have to pretend. And he knows that it does you no good to pretend. And it surely will do you, do you no eternal good. So in the book of James, the, in, the, in the book of James, when you get past Hebrews and you get into James and you get into Peter and John, you start realizing that what God is doing in these epistles is he is proving what you have. Proving what you have. What do you really have there? Now, as we studied the book of Hebrews, and we studied the book of Hebrews for over a year, um, perhaps over two years, we realized how tremendous our blessings are in our Lord Jesus Christ. How greatly, completely, fully delivered we are, not just in our salvation, but our entire life, having a whole new quality of life. But in the book of James, God wants you to understand that he intends for you to have this whole new life in your every day life. Listen, to have a whole new life that isn't your everyday life is not what God wants. It's not even a new life. We gather together on Sunday, which is once every seven days. We gather together for Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. There are many other opportunities throughout the week, if you, and many of you assemble during those periods of time. But even if you came to all of them, and that's a lot, if you came to all of those, there's a pretty good chance, listen, that for an hour-ish or two, you could pretend well enough every time you came to make it look like you really have a new life. But God, listen, God doesn't want that for anybody. He doesn't want you to have to pretend. He wants you to have such a, such a, such a completely changed life that every moment of every day, it makes a difference in your life. In Hebrews, I'm just going to read this. Don't turn here. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect. And that means complete. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So it's very clear. What, what a tremendous, what a wonderful high reality God is promising right here. But in James chapter 1, verse 2, listen to this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And then in verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So in the beginning of the book of James, what God is saying is this. Listen, please hear me. What God is saying is this. I want you to have in your everyday life this powerful new life that I just showed you that I gave you. Listen, not on an exceptional day, not on a great day, not on a day that's full of zero conflict. On the worst day of your week, God wants you to have tremendous and wonderful victory in the very midst of the trying circumstance that you're going through. This is something that you and I cannot do in our own strength. But it is very easy for God to do this in his strength. 
Now, we've been going through, we've looked at a lot of verses in chapter 1. And because Father's Day uh, came during the time that we were doing this study, we looked at a couple of verses near the uh, uh, middle of the chapter a little bit early. This morning, what I would like to do is I'd like to draw your attention beginning in uh, verse um, um, 4. Verse 4. So if you turn to verse 4 in your Bible, I want you to see this with me. I'm going to start in verse 3. Knowing this, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect. And again, the word perfect doesn't mean um, flawless. It means that you would be completed. God wants to use, listen, patience in your life that you would be completed, that you would be perfected and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And then we come to verse 6. Listen to verse 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now verses 9 and 10 continue this thought, and we'll talk about it, I believe, a little bit today. But what I want you to do is I want you to take verses 5, 6, 7 and 8. I'm going to read them again and I want to take them as, as one uh, thought because they are one thought. So let's start in verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Father, as we take a few minutes now to look at these verses, would you give victory? Would you give deliverance in the lives of your children that we would realize that the reason you tell us this is so that we will not live a pretensive, prayerful lives? Bless us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Probably there's not a person in here who doesn't recognize that there's some weakness in your prayer life. Uh, Dr. Dr. Hardison, just before he went to be with the Lord, would frequently speak about how important prayer was in his life and in our lives, and yet how, how aware he was of how imperfect his life of prayer was. This is true in most Christians' lives, almost all Christians' lives. And I, and I believe, here, listen to me, I believe this is why. Yesterday, we had a time of prayer together yesterday. Now, Brother Ronnie Jacobs, I don't believe he'll be upset for me sharing this with you. Brother Ronnie Jacobs was talking about, um, he was praying, actually, he wasn't talking, he was praying. And he was praying, Lord, I, d- I don't know how to pray about this without praying specifically about this. And I'm not sure exactly what your will in this matter is. Listen. And so it makes praying about this very difficult. Does anybody ever been there? Yes? Anybody ever wanted to pray about something, but you really weren't sure what to pray about, that, whatever, that one, whatever it was? Yes? No? 
You know, I, I want to pray for God's will in this matter. And I'd like to pray specifically for God's will in this matter, but I'm not sure what God's will is in this matter. Therefore, and this is what, this is, this is what I would do. This is, this is my prayer life. Okay, I pray as specifically as I can. When I can't pray specifically, I'll back up a step, right? If I can't pray that specifically, I'll back up another step. And this is what your prayer will often sound like. Lord, do what's right. Right? Lord, I just want you to do what's right in this matter. Right? Lord, help so-and-so. Lord, bless so-and-so. Right? Anybody ever been there? Right? Anybody been there a lot? But let me tell you something. The providence of God kind of takes care of that. So you don't, really even, you don't even really need to pray to accomplish that. Because the providence of God is not going to allow for terrible things to happen in the lives of people unless there's something specific he wants to accomplish and then he's going to do it for good purpose anyway. Do you understand? So why aren't we praying more specifically? And this is why. Because, listen, as a child of God, it is built into you to understand that when you're not really talking to your father, but just making generic conversation, it isn't what he's after. It's not what he wants. And that's not how he wants you to grow. And it's not how he wants us to, listen, to live our daily lives. If, if, you and I are going to have this whole new life that God wants us to have in our everyday life, then we're going to have to walk with Him in our everyday life. Amen? Now, what does it mean to walk with God in your everyday life? Well, it would mean that you'd pick up your Bible every day. Now, listen, the funny thing is, as soon as I start giving you the list, it's going to sound like a list of do's and or don'ts. But it's not meant to be. It's the same. Listen, if I want to walk with my wife or I want to walk with one of my children or I want to walk with one of, the, of you in the church, if I want to walk with you, we have to spend time together. Yes? We have to spend time together. Well, if I'm going to spend time with God, it's going to require two things. One, that I'll open my Bible so that God can speak to me. Yes? Two, that I will pray to God so that I can speak to Him and with Him. Yes? Now listen. If you read your Bible like a checklist to get through it, you're not really communicating with God. You're just, you're just observing a religious service. You understand? God has no interest in that. God would rather you read two verses and really got alone with God in it than read three chapters and got nothing out of it at all. What God wants when you open your Bible, God wants to speak directly to you himself. That's what he wants to do. Now, when you pray, God wants you to speak directly to him also. So God wants to have fellowship, communication with us. And how he's going to accomplish this is through you reading your Bible and you spending time in prayer. But listen, now I lay me down to sleep is not prayer. It is the first time you pray that prayer. If you really, I mean, if you actually consider, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, you know, you start to think, man, you don't want to go to sleep sometimes you finish that prayer, amen, as a little kid. It's like, why do we pray like that, mom? You know what I'm saying? If I die before I wake, how about, uh, I'll see you in the morning. How about that prayer, amen? <laughs> but we, listen, we, um, how much of your prayer life, how much of my prayer life is basically now I lay me down to sleep prayer? And this is what, God, listen, let's read it again. If any of you lack, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, listen to this, that given to all men liberally. Now again, we've talked about this. The word liberally literally just simply means simply, honestly, 
abundantly. So it has the idea of with both hands, but it has the idea of sincerely. In other words, this, when you ask God for something, he sincerely promises to give it to you. Now, if you ask me for something, I may assess every request that you give me and decide whether or not, one, I have the ability to perform that, two, whether I want to do that or not. Do you understand? What God says is this, whatever you need, whatever you lack, Whatever you actually must have, ask me, and I will not um, taunt you with it. I will not show you, well, look, I've got a whole bunch, but I'm not giving any to you. I will give you everything you need, and I will do so with both hands. You will, listen, you will always have more than enough of what you need in your life as God will give this to you if you will ask him for it. That's what he says. Now, let's keep reading it. He giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth him not, and it shall be given him. But then it says this, but let him ask in faith. And then it says nothing wavering. Um, the ladies are looking at this uh, book in Sunday school uh, on Sunday mornings, I understand. And uh, Jill, Jill Mendonza, of course, is one of the ladies in that Sunday school class and one of those that are responsible largely for you know, what's going on in the class. And she and I were talking about this verse. She was so excited when she realized I was going to preach through the book of James. And, but this is the verse, and I don't think she, Jill's even in the room right now. But this, is, this verse specifically really vexed her. Now listen, listen. <clears throat> but let them ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let that man think that, think, excuse me, for let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now listen, listen. if you're honest... How much of your prayer life just got destroyed? Yes? No? How many of you read that verse and say, oh, wow, I'm going to get nothing? Right? I'm going to get nothing. If you read this verse and, you, and what you read from this is, if I don't pray, trust, listen, this is kind of a funny thing. If I don't pray trusting God completely, then I'm not going to get anything from God. Here's the irony. If I trusted God completely, I wouldn't need to ask. Right? You know what my favorite prayer in the Bible is? Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. It's an amazing prayer. Lord, I believe. The man, God says, Jesus says to this man, do you believe that I can do this? If you believe that I can do this, this can be done in your life. And this is what the man says, Lord, I believe. And then he says this, help thou my unbelief. So what is he saying? I believe, but I don't believe like I should. Amen? Do you think God will meet you there? And the answer is, that's exactly where he wants to meet you. Listen to me. But that's the beginning of real prayer. Here's the problem. Listen, hear me. Listen. This is the victory today. This is the victory. Most Christians pray largely in unbelief, but they're dishonest about it. They pretend that they're doing the right thing. They pretend to themselves. They pretend to God. They, we pretend to each other that we're praying in powerful faith when we're not praying in powerful faith. But see, God, is not mis God doesn't misunderstand that. Let me say this. You say, well, if God, wants, if God wants me to have the answer to my prayers, why doesn't he answer my prayers when I don't really mean it? And this is why. Because then you're not really talking to the God who is. Do you understand? Do you understand? Let me, let me explain this to you. Let's pray, for, uh, let's pray for our young people who are going on a seven-hour trip 
to the jungle in Bolivia. Does anybody, let me say, let me ask you, anybody willing to pray that prayer? Lord, would you watch over our young people as they take a seven-hour trip to, to the jungle Bolivia? Yeah, anybody? All right, let me ask you this, Ken, and, and be, please be honest. Anybody really think that they're going to be in an accident on, during the seven-hour bus trip to Bolivia, for, for, to the jungle? Anybody? Is, is there anybody, when you pray to God that they have a safe seven-hour trip, really is concerned that they might not? Because I don't. I fully expect them to have a safe seven-hour trip to the jungle of Bolivia. Yes? Now, I will say this, and, you know, I will say this. When I drove um, from Bolivia to Peru last year, when I went from Bolivia to Peru in a bus, my wife made the mistake of looking up bus accidents in Peru. And here's what she found. They just drive buses off the cliff in Peru, right? Ironically, on trips from Bolivia to Peru, they drive buses off a cliff. So she told me this. You realize they, they, they wreck a lot of buses uh, driving from Bolivia to Peru. Huh, imagine that. So I'm getting on a bus tomorrow, right? So listen, so when I prayed for a safe trip on that trip, here's what, listen, Lord, surely you want me to preach in Peru, right? Because <laughs> I'm going there to preach the gospel. Surely you want me to arrive and preach when I get to Peru. That was my prayer. Because otherwise, like, well, what, what expectation do I have of even getting to Peru, Right? But surely you want me. So we got to Peru and I preached and it was wonderful. It's tremendous. And now we have to go back to Bolivia because we're flying out of Bolivia. And I'm thinking, surely you want me to preach again at our church, right? You know what I'm saying? Surely you want me to get to that airport and get on a plane and get back. Listen, listen, we, we laugh. But, but, I, but this, is, this is where God wants to talk to you. Do you understand? This is where God wants. He doesn't want you to pray prayers where you don't need him. But he needs you to trust him where you do need him. Amen? Yes? So-and-so's in the hospital and they have the flu. But they have a, a significant case of it. Maybe, maybe they have a breathing difficulty as a result of it. But they're 35 years old, they're strong, and you're praying, Lord, heal them of this breathing difficulty that they're going through. But you kind of know, especially those of you that work in the medical field, the two or three treatments and they're going to be just fine. They'll be home probably tomorrow afternoon. And we're praying, but we're not really praying in faith because we know God can do that. That's an easy thing. But what if they're dying? What if they're dying and there's no hope? Now can you talk to God the same way? Honestly, now can you talk to God the same way? Or does now your prayer start to sound something like this? Lord, your will be done in that life. Because now you got an out when they die, right? Well, I didn't really ask for him to live. I just asked for God to get him through it. When they're through it, and they're in a better place than we are, and, and that's really true. They are through it and they're in a better place than we are. But that's not prayer. That's not prayer. Do you understand? So what God is doing at the beginning of the book of James, he's not, he's not destroying your prayer. He's destroying the thought of weak prayer. Amen? Yes or no? What God is saying, this, the, the word where it says um, nothing wavering, Nothing wavering, right? Let's look at it again. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth, same word twice, wavereth. The wa what wavering means is this. Listen, this is what it means. It means to assess. To assess. And what that, you know what that means? That means to decide while you're praying whether this can be done or not. If you're deciding while you're praying to God what the chances are that this is actually going to happen, don't bother. That's what God is saying. If you're deciding while you're praying whether God can do this or not, don't even ask. 
Don't even ask. Because here's what you are. You're double-minded. You're double-minded. You want to talk to God, you need to talk to God. You have to ask God about this, but you have no real expectation that he's going to do something, right? Yes? No? Listen, asking in faith is to ask in trust. Yes? Yes? Asking in faith is not this wishy-washy, warm, fuzzy feeling. Do you believe God is able to do this or not? Um, you know, a little while ago, Brother Don Mendonza and I were talking about this, not this specifically, but talking about prayer. And he brought up something about George Mueller. George, George Mueller, many of you know George Mueller. Many of you have re- probably read books about, uh, George Mueller was a tremendous man of prayer. But he was having a specific issue that he was praying about. And it was one of those things where it could be A or it could be B. And he wanted to pray, listen, not generically. He wanted to pray either for A or he wanted to pray for B, but he didn't know which one. So here's where he began. Lord, show me which one to pray for first. And you know what he did? He prayed about that until he knew which one to pray for, and then he prayed for that. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that, isn't that tremendous? So listen, when you, when you don't know how to pray, acknowledge that. Acknowledge that. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Where would I go? I can't go anywhere but to you. Praise God for that. Praise God for coming to this point in your life where you must pray. I must pray. And I must pray to God. I must go see the God of creation and talk to him about this because nobody else is able to do anything about this. But now I must be honest when I get there. Amen? Listen, listen. The Lord Jesus Christ ever liveth to make intercession for you. So when you go boldly to the throne of grace and you don't know what to do when you get there, be honest when you get there. Because you're, listen, listen, listen. Because your ability to be there has nothing to do with your faith. It has to do with what Christ has already done for you. Do you understand that? Listen, so, listen, so now you come into the presence of God and you don't know what to do about this when you get there. Then just tell him that. Just tell him that. Just be honest. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I, 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 I acknowledge that I'm, I'm, I'm ex- I, I am assessing this while I'm praying to you. I'm measuring whether I really think you're going to do this or not while I'm asking you to do something. And I'm realizing while I'm doing it now that this is not victory in my life. This is me living in the power of my flesh, expecting your flesh to be as weak as I am and you're not weak. So I need to talk to you about this, but I need to come to a place where I trust you as you actually are. Amen? I want you to turn in your Bible for just a moment to 2 Kings. John read the passage. 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. I want, to show, I, want you to, I want to show you something. Second Kings chapter 13, beginning in verse 14. John read this passage, but I believe it teaches us the lesson that God wants us to learn here in James chapter 1, verses uh, one, uh, 5, 6, 7, and 8. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. So Elisha, who is Elisha? He's a great man of God. A great man of God used mightily of God, and he's sick and he's going to die. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him, listen, listen, and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Now listen, so he has come to see this mighty man of God And he has come to see him because he loves him and because Israel is going through a very difficult time and he needs this man of God to work in his life. Yes? Now notice what he says. And Elijah said unto him. Now now listen, this is a remarkable thing. 
an, an Elisha who is sick and dying says to him, take, take bow, one bow, and arrows, plural. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And now look and listen, and listen to this. This is just ought to throw your heart. And Elijah put his hands upon the king's hands. Do you see this? Do you listen? Do you see this thing in your life? Whatever this thing is in your life, God is talking. Now they're having a real conversation here. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're having a real conversation. And now, and now the king of Israel is talking to a quote unquote weak Elisha. And Elisha, well, he's got his hand on the bow, his hands on the bow, and Elisha's got his hands on his. And he's saying to him, I'm with you. I'm with you in this. And he said in verse 17, open the window eastward, which is, by the way, towards where the Syrians are coming from. Open the window eastward. And he opened it. And Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, Elisha says now, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, right? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Yes? Shoot. And he shoots. And he says, and he, and I, he says, and I quote, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians and Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king, smite upon the ground. Now listen, it's already been explained to him what's going on. What this is, this is a matter of you having victory in this very thing that you're talking to me about. Now, how much do you trust me to bring about this, this, this needed victory in your life? And this is his answer. And that's it. And that's our prayer life. That's our prayer life. Now notice his answer. And the man of God was wroth with him. Now let me ask you this. Do you suppose that the Elisha that just put his hands on Joash's hands and held the bow with him, do you suppose that he hates him? Yes or no? Do you suppose he's sick of him? Do you suppose he suddenly despises him? Yes or no? So why is he upset? Because that's what it says, right? It says, and the man of God was wroth with him. Why is he upset? He's upset. Listen, because now he's not going to have victory in his life. Because he didn't really believe that the God who Elisha represents was able to give powerful victory in his life. You know what he should have done with his arrows? This is what he should have done. Until his arm got tired. And said, I believe you can completely obliterate my enemies. I believe you can give complete victory in this thing in my life. Yes? No? But this is, this is, this is, this is the prayer life of the average Christian in America right here. Listen, a great high priest who's pouring out a whole new quality of life into your life is not weakened by his power. He's weakened by your faith. Because, listen, because we want to spend now I lay me down to sleep prayer time. We want to spend, I don't really believe God can do this, but I need to be seen talking about it to God. And God said, don't do that. Let's skip that. Let's just skip it.
Let's just skip it. Let's just skip it. Let's just skip it. Talk to me. Talk to me. What do you, listen, what, 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 are, what is the requirement of asking God? And the answer is just, just believe him. That's the only requirement. Believe him. Now, doesn't that make sense? Picture, I want you to picture this. Let's picture, um, I, can, I can talk about, we have a couple of switches, a couple of switches on the, on the wall in the back of the church right here. We have some switches that turn on the lights in two different places. Unfortunately, they're the wrong switches. So they turn the lights off, but they're not where we need them to be. And so we have some electricians in the church. And I've spoken to them. I've spoken to them about changing the lights. And guess what? They have told me that they're going to, the switches, excuse me, and they've told me that they're going to. And you want to know what? I believe they will. And I believe they're able to do it. So I already spent the money on the new switches. I already told them where they are, and I don't have to do anything else. You want to know why? Because I completely believe that they're capable of accomplishing what I've asked them to do. Yes or no? Yes? How many times, listen, listen, how many times have you gone to God with your broken toy and said, can you fix this? And he said, yes, I can. And you held on to it and walked away with it. Or you left it there, but you never really, I'll never have that toy again. How, How little, listen, how, listen, please hear me. We're, 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 we're in the entryway to God proving that what we have is real faith. What we have is the genuine article. We're at the very beginning of this, and God said, listen, if you want me to prove that what you have is the real thing, then don't have pretend prayer. Because pretend prayer will get nothing done. Nothing. It's a, one, it's a blessing. You can be upset about this if you want to. You mean God's not going to let me give whole half-hearted prayers and get answers? No. No. Because he wants something better than that for you. Amen? And I thank God that he wants something better than that for us. Now, I wish I understood this a lot earlier than I do. I wish somebody had said this to me many, many years ago. You know, John James and I were talking about this exact passage some night this week. I don't remember. We were standing out in the parking lot, and we were talking about this exact passage. And I was telling him, because I, I, for weeks I've already been studying this passage, and I knew for the first time ever in my life that the whole point here was this. Don't measure whether I can do this while you're asking me. If you're going to measure whether I can do this while you're asking me, don't ask me. Because you don't really think I can do it. And if you don't really think I can do it, then don't ask me. If you do think I can do it, ask me. Because I can. Because I can. Is there anything too hard for God? Honestly. Now let me ask you, how will that change your prayer life? How will this truth that we're seeing today change your prayer life? Maybe you'll be done with this. Amen? Maybe your prayer life will be one of those things where you bang the arrows on the ground until your arm gets tired. Or, listen, maybe you say, well, I'm not really at that point yet. Then maybe your prayer life will begin to be like this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I don't know how to pray. I'm sorry that I don't trust you about this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have such a low opinion of your power. I'm sorry I have such a low opinion of your ability to change me and to make the changes around me that need to be made. I promise you God is able to do these things. Now, it really I promise he's able to do these things. He'll do it. Yes, because he promises you, he will do it. But trust him. Let's, let me, I'm going to read it again. 
I'm going to read it again. Yeah, you decide whether or not, you decide after, after we read these verses, really, honestly, you decide. First of all, decide this. Do I have real faith? Am I really born again? Am I really a new creature? And if you, if you know that you are a new creature, then, that, then answer this, then ask this question. Am I trusting God at all? And if the answer is no, then, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. But talk to him about it. Let's read it again. If any of you lack, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now listen, verse 8 explains this. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. God is, listen, you, if, you are, if you are a new creature, then praise God, you are a new creature. And you know what that means? You have full access. You have full access to the God who loves you. Your brother or sister, literally, your physical brother or sister, your mother or father, your aunt, uncle, your children. There may be people in your life, they do not have this access. They do not have this access. You can go to God for them. You can. Listen. But you're going to have to trust him. They need, they need you to trust him. They need you to trust him. God intends, listen, God intends to save people through, the, through answering prayer. He does. God intends to change lives through answering prayer. He does. Listen, could God do it without prayer? He could do it without prayer. But he intends to go through prayer. So he intends, listen, he intends to have you and I trusting him. Trusting him. Now listen, 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 listen. Let's, 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 let's examine this for a moment. So what happens when you pray? And this has happened. I'm sure this has happened. It happened in my life a number of times, and I thank God that it has. Somebody calls you and tells you something you've been praying about, and they call and they share you with you the answer to that prayer. Do you not get all excited about that? Look, and I, and, and, and I mean, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about this kind of excitement. Wow, that's exactly what I asked. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Now listen, as a baby Christian, it's okay to be surprised by it. When you get a little bit older, you ought not be quite as surprised anymore. Amen? Wow, that's exactly what I am. Remember, do you guys remember the, uh, the account of uh, uh, the, the Jameses? John and Kitty James, their refrigerator died. And Kitty called and said, you know, our refrigerator died. And they had just moved into this apartment, I want to say. They just moved into this place. And uh, their refrigerator was dead. And, and so we began to act. You know, the church began to act on it. And, and, uh, but they don't know what's going on. All Kitty knows is that she's asked the refrigerator's dead. because there's, Maybe somebody has one in their garage. You know what I'm saying? Maybe someone, you know, an old one, you know, one of those old, you know, the old handle, you kind of pull it and it cl clicks open and you open it up. Amen. And, uh, you know, she just wants anything to keep her food cold. But she, so she and Noah are at home praying about it. And before John comes home from work, we, we come over, the church comes over with a brand new refrigerator. Brand new refrigerator. We, you know, we, we wheel it in. We, we, we hook it up. And, 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 and I was in the room when Noah, Kitty came in. Kitty was crying, just rejoicing, crying. She, and, and Noah came into the room. Noah was really little then. Noah was really little. I want to say four, five, something like that. Noah walks into the room and he sees the refrigerator. And, and Kitty says to Noah, Noah, look, God gave us a, a refrigerator. And he said, that's wonderful. And then she says, and it's brand new. And this is what he said. Isn't that what we asked for this morning? Is that convicting? Isn't that what we asked for this morning? I started thinking, I'm going to tell Noah what to pray for. Amen. 
Isn't that what we have? The four-year-old, he just, well, of course God's going to give us a new refrigerator. Why wouldn't he give us a new refrigerator? Now listen, it's not, again, I know, it's not about Rolexes and cars in your parking lot. and That's not the point that I'm making. The point that I'm making is a child understood that he could ask God specifically about something and God is able to answer that prayer specifically. Amen? And yet we, we believe our God's arms are kind of like this, a little weak and short. But they're not. They're not. Our God is able to accomplish what needs to be accomplished in our life. When you have need, that's what he says, when you have need, ask. Ask. When you don't understand, that's what he said, when you don't understand, this is specifically, the specific thing is here, if any of you lack wisdom, I don't even know what to do. That's okay. Ask. Ask. And I will help you. But trust me when you ask me. So here's what God wants to do in your everyday life. He wants to change the way you pray every day. That's the very first thing that God wants to change. He wants to change the way we pray every day. And what he, all that he asks is this, trust me. It's just that simple. It sounds like such an easy, it, it is easy, by the way, it is easy. But you're going to have to cast your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, right? Um, listen, the devil is a liar. You understand that? He's a liar, a liar, a liar, a liar. And your flesh is just as much a liar. So you cannot believe, you cannot, if, again, if you're assessing when you're praying, stop it. And start talking to God about the realities of these things. Meet him where you actually are in your prayer. Because he's going to meet you where you actually are in your prayer. 